0: Before I'll say it again, good uh, morning, Redeemer. Right? How are you guys know, doing? You don't sound it, um, but, but I hope that i it the end of on time. You um, will. they you given me 35 to 40 minutes uh, to, to preach, and that scares me as an African um, because it takes me about 30 minutes just to get into the introduction. Okay? So uh, we're going to move very quickly because I want to honor the leadership here. I'm very thankful to uh, Pastor Dave and uh, the elders who. Uh, something that we take for granted. It's uh, a tremendous privilege. Um, and so we're going to jump straight in, Mark chapter three. By uh-huh. way of introduction, uh, I was talking to my wife last night and uh, reminiscing on the university days. Uh, we went to the University of Pretoria together. And, and I remember that we would uh, before we would go to the next level or whatever it is that we study, whether it's a subject or a course, uh, the, the lecturer would uh, always kind of take us back a little bit before we go. that they they, they would want us to remember the foundations. Uh, They would kind of give us a refresher, if you will, just to say, I don't want you to forget what is of greatest importance. Yes, we're going to move on to some important things, but but I want you to remember the foundations because they are important for where we are to go. They serve as a reminder of what is important. So this morning, the text that we will read in is going to serve in that way. Now, to some of us, I know that this will probably be brand new. I'm aware of it. But to others, uh, my hope is that this would be like Jesus reminding us, Jesus saying to us, don't forget. I know that He's doing amazing things in this church and in this context, but when He's saying, don't forget these things, they are important. And so with that, let's jump into the text. Look at it a couple of times. you had it read to you, uh, we're going to glance at it and then we're going to dive deeper into it. So we're going to look at this text quite a bit. But before we jump to verse 7 of our chapter 3, I want to set some context a little bit. I want to kind of bring you up to speed with what's going on here. So I'm going to read from verse 1. Well, chapter 3, verse 1. You hear this word It excites me because it speaks about Jesus' authority over sin, death, and Satan himself. We've we've just celebrated Easter. The tomb is empty. Jesus has authority over everything. And verse 1 says that he strictly ordered them to not make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he Dying. And they came to Him, and He appointed twelve whom He also named apostles, so that they might be with Him, and He might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom He gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom He really gave the name Bolechus, that is, son's thunder, and Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Daddy, the son of Simon the zealot and Judas the scandal. Who betrayed him? And that's the story. That's it. Now now some of you are going, oh great, service is done. This is the shortest service I've ever been to. There's more. There's more. I want us to take a deeper look at this text. Out of so, so much that is there. There's so much here that Mark wants us to see. And not just see, but he wants us to learn. And not just learn, but he wants us to apply it. We are called to be obedient to God's word. And here it is. Here it is what Mark wants us to see. If you can what is. just be part of the crowd. We must be part of Christ. There it is. We we must not just be part of the crowd. We must be part of Christ. Now you might ask, why is this important? Why is this necessary for us to know? Well, it's because that is where the great miracle happens. So many people are following Jesus, looking for, for various miracles things down even wall. Verse 9 says, And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him, because of the crowd they asked to crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell out before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. Friends, miracles are great. And I know we all want them. And even right now, in this moment, I know that there are many of you praying, crying out to God for a miracle. God, would you heal Allah? God, would you heal me? God, would you provide for me? Would you provide for my family? Would you provide for friends that I know? We're all crying out for a miracle in some shape or form. So, so miracles are great, but we must put them in there correct we must, we must put them in the correct place. And that is that they are meant to point us to the miracle worker. That they, that they are meant to point us to Jesus. So many of us get focused on the miracle and the miracle alone that we miss the one who gives them the miracle. The miracles of Jesus were performed as, as signs to testify, to give evidence, to give proof of Jesus. I And when Jesus doesn't fit in your box, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I really believe really the Bible. I don't know if this is really true. We try to put Jesus into this box. We, we, we create a Jesus of our own personal imagination instead of a Jesus of biblical <laughs> revelation. And that's important. Because Jesus is the Lion and the Lamb. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is Lord and Savior. Sometimes we come to Jesus only as Savior. Just save me. But you are not the Lord of my life. Jesus stay out of my finances. Jesus, stay out of my relationship. But but save me. I need you to fit in this box that I have created in my mind of who the Messiah is. The religious beings will be that all time. And so when Jesus shows up as the Son of God, they miss him a little side note here. Because the text talks about the spirits. Like, I, I want to talk about our, our adversary, our enemy, Satan himself. Here's what Satan will do. Because he realizes that we try to put Jesus in a box. That oftentimes he, he will come to us and try to imitate the things of God. But he can never deliver the way God delivers. And so I just want us to be careful of that. To be mindful of that. That, 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 that we have an enemy who is aware of our weaknesses. And, and, and he will do everything in his power to make sure that we try to keep Jesus in his box. He'll whisper things in our ears like, remember Jesus healed you? Why can't to provide for you? Well, he said, no, Jesus healed your friend. He doesn't want to heal you because he doesn't care about you. But it's in those moments that we've got to come to the Bible and read for ourselves who Jesus is and what he wants to do in and through our lives. We should be careful not to miss Jesus. We introduce people to the person of Jesus. This is why you do this week in and week out. Otherwise, this is just a really poorly planned book club. That's what it is. When someone comes out and reads the book, and you talk a little bit about it and you go home. But that's not what this says. We, we gather because we might like introduce people to the person of Jesus. Because when you find the person of Jesus, you experience the power of Jesus. The true power of Jesus. See, friends, it's a wonderful thing for people to be attracted to Jesus. It is. It's a beautiful thing. This is why we do what we do. This is why we call churches. Because we want people to be attracted to Jesus. But if their focus is only on what He can do for them instead of who He is, they will not follow Him for life. They just won't. What you get people with is what you have to keep them with. And this is why these, these miracle crusades, God shows up and does the incredible but then you're like, okay, that's what we, we need to keep people with these miracles. You get to a point where you're like, okay, now we need to start coming up with miracles. We need to start creating these big moments because that's how we got the people instead of introducing them to the person who is Jesus. The very praying for is it. an invitation, that God so up the world is an invitation, that he gave these one and only son is an invitation, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. All of that is an invitation. You are being invited by God himself through his son Jesus. Now you might be sitting there, I hear you, man. I hear you, but I know this stuff. Can you please get to the meaty things? I know all of this, but my question to you, do you really know this? Does your life show that you really know this, that these are your foundations? Have you truly received Jesus as you know the Have you come to Christ for Christ? And one of the, the, the biggest ways to evaluate that is when suffering and Mark tells us that Jesus calls them to do what? To be with him. To be with him. He went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And verse, verse 14 tells us, and he appointed twelve whom he also named the apostles, these his disciples, so that they might be with him. I love that. So that they might that Jesus, the creator and the sustainer of the world, would come down from heaven, live among his creation, live the life that you and I should, die the excruciating death that you and I deserve, resurrect, ascend to heaven, sit at his rightful place, which is at the very right hand of God the Father, that, that he, he secures everlasting life for us, that we become co-heirs with him, that we share in his glory that we are in Him, and He is in us. Friends, that is a miracle. Think about that for a moment, That, that God will choose you. That you choose up the whole night, anxious and worried and concerned and anxious, your mind went to all these places that you know you shouldn't go to, and yet God still chose you. That's the miracle. And He chose you to be with Him. And he wants to be with you. He wants to spend time with you. There are people sitting here that go, you know, by choice I will not want to spend time with some of these people here. I just wouldn't. And yet Christ goes on to We get Christ and then we get to be with him. To follow Christ means to be with him wherever he goes. That's what it means. It's to, to be with Christ wherever he goes. And not just where things are good, but, but it means that if Christ goes to some dark places, we go to some dark places. If, if he goes to places of suffering, we go to places of suffering. And here's the thing about the beauty of the gospel. About the fact that the tomb is empty. And even when Christ goes to those places of suffering and persecution, we go with him knowing that we go in victory. And then we go in victory. We, we, we don't work for victory. We work from a place of victory. That's the difference. And I'm Our conversation would be completely different. Now I operate from a of victory. It doesn't matter what is happening in my life. Come crisis, come COVID, it doesn't
1: matter because I am with
0: Christ. We get Christ when we get to be with Him. To follow Jesus simply means to follow Jesus. I wish it was rocket science, but it isn't. The invitation is to come to Him and then we follow Him. And this place should never get better. This is why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3 verse 1 when he talks about the priceless value of knowing Christ. He says this, Whatever happens, with my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And then Paul says this, I am never yet tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Why don't we talk about the foundation over and over and over again? To safeguard your faith. He will do everything in his power to get you to take your eyes from Jesus for the victory of life. You should never do it. You come to Christ for Christ, and this is what separates us from the crowd. That's the difference. The crowd comes for things, but his followers come for him. But hold on, there's more. There's more. There is a second thing that separates us from being the crowd. And it's a, a huge implication of coming to Christ. And here it is that Jesus gives us a cause. He gives us a cause. So we not only get Christ, but we also get a cause. We see this in the text Jesus called that, so that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Here in Mark chapter 3, we get a that attraction, appetizer to the Great Commission that's found later in Mark chapter 16. Uh, let me read you a fuller version that's found in Mark chapter 16 verse 15 to 18. It says this. Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up stones. If they should drink anything dead, they will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well Now I know that there is a lot happening in that text, but for now I want us to focus on verse 15 of Mark 16 where it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the cause that we get. And this cause is what we call the commission. And not just any commission, but the great commission. It's to make disciples. We'll go on to make more disciples. To make more followers of Jesus just as you are a follower of Jesus. And, and this great commission, it, it, friends, so often we treat the great commission like it's the great suggestion. Like Jesus, he, he suggests it to us. Hey, if, if you have time, go make disciples. It feels like I'm really really busy. I know you have a lot going on in COVID, pandemic, it's chaos, I can't. And so if you have some time, we should go make disciples. That's not what it is, it's the Great Commission. And it's a command, and all of us, all of us are called to go and make disciples. Now I understand that that, that life happens, I get that. But it doesn't mean that the Great Commission stops. I tend to think of the Great Commission as, as a music that plays, there's a rhythm to it. And sometimes the rhythm changes. Because things are happening in my life, when you get married, you have children, you go to study, you lose your job. I get it, the rhythm changes, but the music never stops. The music never stops. Because we are on Because we are given a cause. Our cause is to get more people to know Christ. And this cause is not just for the formally theologically educated, no. It's not just for the missionary who gets sent to another country, no. It's for all of us to know Christ. And we are called to be on mission where we live, where we work, and where we play. We get Christ. We are given a cause. And then the last thing that separates us between those who are in Christ and those who are part of the crowd is this. We are placed in a community. We are placed in a community. Look look at verse 16. We appointed the the twelve. And then then we get the, the list of their names. The, the, this idea of an isolated Christian, that, that's an oxymoron. I just wanted to use a big word here, uh, so when my mom hears the recording, she knows that she, uh, her money was well-spent. Right? Oxymoron, it just, it just means the two cannot exist together, right? The isolated Christian, is, there's no such thing as that, you are placed in the community. And here we see the community, Jesus' disciples, a, a group of different people it's a They were fiery in Egypt. And I believe this to be the case, because in Luke chapter 9, Jesus decided that they ran into Samaria on their way to Jerusalem, and they ran into some trouble. Jesus was looking for some accommodation, and this is what he's going to say. The Samaritans, the Jewish people, the Jewish people, didn't really get uh, on very well. I uh-huh. did uh-huh. Services. You see, when Romans would take over an area that would use the locals to, to, to go and get unfair taxes from the people, and so a tax collector back then was a traitor. Matthew was a traitor. the There are those who are considered to be outsiders, they are considered to be traitors, maybe because of your culture or your ethnicity or your history or your background. There are those who oppose others. They are doubters. in that Jesus is not afraid of the doubt. We pretend that we perform because we don't want to be exposed because it's like, well, I'm just saying, I doubt, I don't know. Jesus chose Judas Iscariot is to be his disciple. The teacher replied, I don't know, but I have an even harder question. Why did Jesus choose me? Well, critics to look at Judas, but stop for a moment. We just can't. We need someone who kept the perfect world because you and I can't. Friends, we're so bad at keeping the law we can't even keep our own rules. How many of you set New Year's resolutions? Let's be honest. The second place, I'll go first. How many, How many of you set New Year's resolutions? John and James became the sons of thunder driven by love. Anonymous average Andrew became the patron saint of three nations. Thomas the skeptic, the doubter, becomes a tenacious man of faith. Simon the radical Zealot, became a man truly zealous and passionate for God. He's not going to leave you where you are, he's going to change you, more you, transform you, to become more and more like His Son of Jesus. Let me say this, the crowd received transformation that faded away all time. time. The crowd received transformation that faded away all the time. The disciples received transformation that increased from one of glory to the next degree. That's the difference. A disciple, unlike one who is part of the crowd, is one who is in and with Christ, as one who is on a kingdom of course and as one who is in a Holy Spirit-filled community. And so as I close, I'm gonna ask you three simple questions. Three simple questions. Question one is, have you been with Jesus today? Now, I'm gonna I, I, I'm not with Jesus, I trust my to church. Great answer. But then tomorrow, same question, have you been with Jesus? The next day, have you been with Jesus? For some of you, this question has been asked you for the first time. You're actually thinking about it for the first time. You're going, I, I, I've heard about Jesus. theology? Did, 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 did that thief become a missionary? Did, did that thief attend a discipleship class? I am not saying that those things are not important, they are very important, but I want to show you how simple it is to come to pass. Today, you will be with me in the paradise. And so, have you been with Jesus? of imperfect individuals, pointing out a perfect Saviour who is with Christ, in Christ, on mission.